What is the origin story of a magical book? What havoc might one raise in centuries, if not millennia, of existence? And how exactly might a cantankerous bookkeeper in a remote part of Maine be at the center of such a mystery? We'll be exploring all this in the coming season of Undertow, The Dark Tome. Hi, this is Fred Greenhalgh, your host of Undertow, Realm's podcast delving into the weird and the wicked. We've stumbled across this little chapter that helps set up the story that's about to unfold for you. It is about a curious magical book from time immemorial, known either by its Latin name, Liber Tenebris, or more commonly, The Dark Tome. What follows today is the recording of one Wilbur Gussie, a proprietor of Gussie's Rare Books in Simpson Falls, Maine. In fact, this little internet essay, first posted to an AOL forum on March 19th, 1999, kicked off a booming online sales market for Mr. Gussie, who has since become a hotly contested figure in the legend and scholarship, as it were, uh, surrounding the Dark Tome. The more cynical say that this essay really was just a crass marketing stunt, the product of an overactive imagination, and a man in a backwater town who wanted to start an internet mail order business, as he did back in the day. Others have found some of its ideas quite credible, however. Though any attempts to explore the origin and existence of an occult group called the Parabellum and its related commercial arm, the Malleus Corporation, have resulted in bleak outcomes to those explorers. So where will you fall in all this? Is what you're about to hear truth or apocryphal or somewhere in between? Decide for yourself as we hear the curious history of the Dark Tome. The Curious History of the Dark Tome by W. Gussie. Gussie's Rare Books, Simpson Falls, Maine. I'm only writing this because I'm getting sick of all the people around here been writing it wrong. People say the Dark Tome is this, was that. It's about becoming immortal, they say. It's about calling for satanic spirits to be your ally, about giving yourself a couple extra inches on your jaw, if you know what I mean, or attracting the fairer sex right to you. Folks talking that way about the dark tome really don't know nothing about what the dark tome really means and what it can do, which is profoundly more powerful Which is why I, no ancient scholar, mind you, but I did get my college degree and I've been at the old book trade for a few years now, am deciding now to throw my hat into this currently very hot debate. But before we get too deep into it, I got to give you a warning. There is no truth about the Dark Tome. If you think I can tell you anything certain about it, well, turn your computer off now and knock yourself in the head for the fool you are. What makes you think we can ever understand something so old? Everyone wants to tell the story of the Dark Tome their own way. Emperors wanted it burned so people would worship them instead. Same was true of priests. Now, then you have the magicians, the nicer ones, wanted to 
hide it to keep people safe from it. The darker ones wanted to harness its power, and in so doing, unleashed any number of nastinesses upon the world. Ah, uh, see now? I'm already getting ahead of myself. What I'm saying is the exact history of the Dark Tomb is not and can't never be known. I know more than one fellow who's gotten their mind twisted and their life ruined by embarking on this fool's errand. But since I can't stop you, since you're still listening, I'm going to, at the risk of my own sanity and soul, tell you in as plain words as I can what I know about the Dark Tome. Those of us lucky to have come across magic in our lives know it's as real as the air you breathe. And like oxygen, magic came forth in some birth from the beginning of creation. So if you really want to go back to the beginning of the Dark Tome, you're talking about the Big Bang, or maybe a an old gray hair up in the pearly gates getting bored one week and deciding to make an earth. That part of it, the creation bit, I'm not particular on. Though, of course, the theories of how we all got here has led to quite a bit of contention, even a few mass slaughters over the years. Suffice to say, magic was the beginning of it all. The end of it all where it's all headed, and from where it ever started. Now, you know humans as well as I do. Humans started out on the planet as monkeys, and clever monkeys they are. Eventually, they get clever enough to make tools and start fires and start chatting around the campfire. Things are good back then, I reckon. We ain't gotten complex enough to figure out how to mow each other down with rapid-fire machine guns. We can take it at face value to just enjoy our little lot in life. Move around on the plains, kill an animal here or there, make as many babies as you can, tell stories. Sounds right decent. Except something seems to be in people, something that makes them need to go out and understand more about their world. And what's more, they can't just be happy with understanding a thing. They want to possess it. Magic is a force in our universe, like air, water, fire, earth. It's the fifth element. And just like early man wanted to make fire and move rocks and sail across the water, He wanted to figure out how to use magic. And of course, the earliest form of magic is life itself. The giving of it. And the taking away of it. So people started doing that. They started taking away life. Just to see what would happen. Cut off a head. Chuck it in the fire. Say some words. When the throat bled out. That sort of thing. I'm not going to get into religions about angels and devils and demons, gods and goddesses, and whether or not there's any difference between them all. But suffice to say, 
People through their experiments learn how to use magic, like they learned how to start fire. Like any tool, it could be dangerous in some hands, and helpful in others. One man's blessing is another one's curse. So now, let's skip ahead a few thousand years. At some point, people decided to take what they knew about magic and write it down. Same as you would for any other knowledge, I suppose. That brings us to the earliest thing I think we can call the Dark Tome which comes out of a, a set of texts people now call the Greek magical papyri. These scrolls gave instructions on how to do the kind of magic people had figured out how to do on their own. The summoning of helpers and fiends, the healing and infliction of curses, the attraction or repulsion of a lover. Now, the dark home had a little bit of a higher aim. It contained the notion that stories themselves had power and could use them to transform people. This scroll was intended to open a gate to other worlds and reveal that what you're experiencing right now, the whole sense of time, the sense of place, a sense of being stuck in your own head. Well, that's actually bullshit. And breaking your brain was only the first part of the Dark Tome's power. After it helped you to realize that you're just one tossing and turning cosmic speck in the endless swarm of the universe, the Dark Tome then let you keep walking. And through experience in these other worlds, and with that knowledge, it would make you more powerful than this one. If that idea seems dangerous to you, then you know why Emperor Augustus torched it and 2,000 other scrolls in 13 BC, hoping to eradicate the notion of the Dark Tome forever. Thing is, that dark tome didn't take to being burned. Its knowledge wasn't lost, but instead seemed to transform, to travel, setting off a period of rumor and speculation that has historians still scratching their heads 2,000 years later. Did the burning of the dark tome release a plague upon Rome? Or was the manuscript instead taken underground by a Mithraic cult? Are we to believe a more intriguing rumor that the Dark Tome survived because a copy had been made by a slave who had secretly taught herself to read by studying her mistress's hidden scrolls? A slave who later used the power of what she learned in the Dark Tome to free herself and travel to Turkey? Are we to believe that the Dark Tome was never even of this earth? That it was brought to us by unearthly beings called the Parabellum, whose followers are on the hunt for it to this day? Oh, yes. And no end to the supposition and rumor that happened between when the Dark Tome disappeared as a magic scroll 
around the time of the birth of Christ and reappeared as a magic book in the 1800s. Now, as much as I'd like to tell you, there's a smoking gun, a copy of a partially transcribed manuscript, for instance, or an earlier translation of the works in Egyptian. This is one of those bits where you just have to take it on faith or drive yourself mad. Maybe it's true that the scrolls were found by the Knights Templar when they pillaged a Saracen village who returned it to a monastery in France along with a deadly fungus that saw the Christian warriors all die screaming and writhing and pissing and shitting themselves. Maybe it was lost in Mongolia, stolen from the backpack of a spice trader en route to China who was beset by vagabonds. Is that how smallpox reached Asia Minor? Couldn't tell ya. Though personally, I always rather liked the story of how the Dark Tome was responsible for the beginning of werewolves. How the Tome helped the tree spirits of ancient Estonia revenge themselves upon a medieval warlord by cursing him with lycanthropy. There's enough myth and speculation to fill its own book. <laughs> Maybe a book I'll write myself someday. Now, the book we know today as the Dark Tome appears first in Louisiana in the early years of the 19th century in what was then the French-ruled Nouvelle Orleans. You know as well as I do that a certain auction house put up for sale a certain Liba Tenebris and that book was sold for an astonishing sum to one Auguste Mistral, to the utter shock of the book world, according to the newspaper clipping everyone likes to bring up. Now, Auguste was a criminal, an enemy of the state. His head wanted by Napoleon for betraying his countrymen and fighting alongside the rebels during the Haitian Revolution. Now, how did a lowly seaman who deserted in Haiti come to possess a sum of money that would set world auction records. How could he, after so audacious a move, vanish without a trace? And what are we to make of his last words as he took possession of the book, apparently referring to the Voudon Loa Legba? Je la remets à que j'adais la poter. I take this back to he who guards the gates. Now, I wish I could tell you that this is where August became the freedom fighter he hoped he could be, combining the powers unlocked by the dark tome with whatever got into him in Haiti. And with these new powers, he helped the enslaved throw aside their oppressors and usher in a new era of prosperity and equality in human history. <laughs> But now, that would be a work of fiction, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, what, what happened is that poor August, it wasn't the French authorities who tracked him down, it was someone worse. Ever hear of Miskatonic University, ICAM? You'd be forgiven if you who didn't. They go out of their way to cloak their university from mere mortals like you and I. But it exists, and it's a place where they want to take things that are unexplainable 
like the dactone, and put them under lock and key and get to understand them. Peck away at them with fancy words and pretending like they're doing it all for the good of humanity. But they're really doing it for the good of themselves. I can't tell you how I know this, but I know that August was caught by some people representing this so-called university. They wanted something he had, and he wouldn't give it. And August, who had slipped away from Napoleon's assassins, was slaughtered like a meat animal by people with fancy letters after their names. That might have put an end to the Dark Tome story right there. Hundred years went by and the world moving along, no one really putting together that chaos in the world from M. Fakane to the Ku Klux Klan might all have something to do with a little dark book that resented getting locked away. Now here's a name you don't hear very often, Milton Ford kid from a small town in Maine, like me, who went down Boston Way to a so-called institution of higher learning. This was in the fall of 1918. Instead of learning business or medicine, Milton instead learned the ways of a wicked professor by the name of Professor Sparks. Milton thought nothing the wiser of trifling with a magical book at a soiree that would have made Alistair Crowley blush. <laughs> Were the actions of that party what caused the influenza epidemic of that year? A disease that would kill millions across the world, felling whole towns and cities like the Reaper's Scythe I can't say it did, but neither can I say it didn't. But I'll tell you this, whatever happened was enough for Dr. Sparks, who is known to have left Boston and reappeared as Brother Bradley in the spring of 1920 in San Francisco. It might all have ended with Brother Bradley if the folks at Miskatonic University didn't reinsert themselves by way of a, another young man named Joe Ritchie who, guess what, also died under mysterious circumstances. And don't even get me started about Billy, an unlucky bastard who picked up the tome at a yard sale in 1981. I'm hearing your comments already. You want to tell me you really believe what they said? How he had dissociative identity disorder and a predilection for sociopathic behavior? You really believe what they said about his wife? That she was just as batshit crazy as he was? Fine, <laughs> go ahead and believe all that. It's an easier story to explain. But while you're doing that, I'll be here with my magic books, trying to figure out how to put the genie back in the bottle, trying to learn how to keep bastards like the Parabellum away from them. A 
Okay, well, if your curiosity is whetted, then stick around, because we are about to go on journeys with the Dark Tome over the next 20-ish weeks here on Undertow, starting with teenager Cassie Pinkham, who's about to discover the book. Come back to learn what happens here in the Undertow. The Curious History of the Dark Tome was written by Fred Greenholch and performed by Tim Sample. Dialogue editing and sound design by Fred Greenholch. The Dark Tome's theme, Februar, is by Peter Van Riet. The Dark Tome is a Degas Media production presented by Realm. Undertow is a production of Realm, hosted by Fred Greenholch, produced by Mary Azadolahi and Haley Wagreich, associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw, executive produced by Fred Greenholch, Molly Barton, and Marcy Wiseman. Undertow's theme, Dark Rumbling, is by Hubert Campbell. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Undertow by following Realm at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. Realm is your portal to another world. Listen away. <laughs>